Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad, but we both look exactly the same age? We do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize him. I hereby christen this mutton Barbie camper. Priscilla, queen of the desert. Hello and welcome back to Pop Goes the Cham Cham. That's right, we've returned for another episode of Our Flag Means Death. And today we're going to be discussing episode three, A Gentleman Pirate, which kind of makes me feel as if there may be other gentleman pirates. That's a point. Oh my god, you've not been introduced yet! Listen, I need no introduction. She needs no introduction. That's right. It's the Baroness of Banana Town. (laughs) 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 The cryptozoology queen of Banana Town. The woman who believes in fake animals. (gasps) They're not fake. That's right. For one episode, no, not one episode only, but she has returned. Welcome, everybody, to, to, <laughs> I'm introing you. Say your name. Nick. That's right, she's back. So, before we jump in to this discussion, I thought I'd give a quick episode synopsis. So, the synopsis for A Gentleman Pirate Series 1, Episode 3 of Our Flag Means Death is as follows. Steve conducts business in the Republic of Pirates. Olawande and Jim face their past and the men attempt to retrieve the last hostage. Let's get into the episode. And I have to say, whereas last week I think we spent a good chunk of time with Steed and the crew, kind of dealing with their mental problems, kind of just hanging out, I think this episode essentially picked up narrative duties because there are a lot of narrative threads in play in this episode. So let's start with one of the first threads which is what are we going to do about the British naval hostage we also pay a visit to the Republic of Pirates so let's just have a quick chat about the Republic of Pirates because I don't want to be the one to say this but I'm going to be the one to say this I thought it was boring I thought so too I did I, I do think they could have had a bit more lead up on the boat you know the crew groaning and knowing what the place was like and that he was going to go there there wasn't enough of that I don't think I agree and I also felt like it was generic it was in the way that it sort of portrayed a bad sort of atmosphere with like people killing each other and like cannibalism and like people throwing up everywhere I mean we've seen this all before and done better and done better yes And yeah, for me, it just felt very generic, very like, oh, it's a crazy pirate island. That's not to say that some of the jokes didn't land, because I think some of it was really funny. For instance, the whole mistaken prostitute bit, I thought was really, really funny, because you could see the joke coming, and what they did with it was hilarious. Absolutely. 
I also really liked the fact that Lucius was terrified the entire time because they were wearing these cream suits that definitely reminded me of the sort of outfits that we would wear. If we were to go to a pirate island, these would be looks that we would wear to be not noticed. Incognito. <laughs> Incognito. Stealth cream. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was stellar when they appeared on the jetty. Yes. Dressed like that. So much. So funny. I absolutely love Steed's sense of he lacks all awareness. Mm. Complete and utter. He is so deranged. Fantasy land. Yeah. And Lucius lives in the real world and is absolutely terrified the whole time. The knife edge of Asteria. Exactly. And I would say the actor Nathan Frode does hysterical so well. Oh, I love it when he screams. To these outfits, then you feel like an error in judgment. It's a power move. Make people feel underdressed and suddenly you're the one in charge. No, 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 this isn't happening. Oh, come on. You couldn't have sidestepped. Right, too late. Let's go. Maybe just take the jacket off. Going back to the Republic of Pirates. We also met another new character who was Spanish Jackie. And I have to say, Spanish Jackie was a dream. Brilliant. Leslie Jones was absolutely fantastic in the role because she knew where she was. She knew what she was doing. And she played it sinister and hilarious at the same time. Yeah, she was scary. But she was also so funny. She was, yeah. She and was the hand. The wooden hand. Well, oh my God, you know how I feel about things like that. I and I just thought it looked the best thing ever. It's so cool. Spanish Shaggy is so cool. Encrusted with rings. <laughs> and I absolutely love her inclusion. Where you been? You been avoiding me? What? No. No, I... I actually thought you were kind of mad at me, if I'm honest. Why would Jackie be mad? And that leads us to the next narrative strand, because obviously we've got a lot of different plots intersecting here. And the second plot is the whole Jim revenge that also, we learn, involves Spanish Jackie, because Jim killed Spanish Jackie's husband and there's a bounty on Jim's head put there by Spanish Jackie. So we have a lot of things going on in the bar on the island. Mm. We've got Steed and Lucius at one end trying to sell the British naval officer and we've got Olawande and Jim and their tense interactions with Jackie because it is quite tense. When Olawande and Jackie are chatting there's this real sense of like he is so far out of his depth and he is absolutely terrified and doesn't know how or what to say to her that will sort of make it better i i felt it was the most menacing scene in the whole of the episode that's really interesting it was it truly because it's just scary yeah it was really menacing and it yet again shows that you don't have to be physically violent to or sort of gory to get that same sort of intense feeling the scares the scariness yeah because his reaction to her told us that she is a badass then you couple in the nose jars 
you know, the mummified body of her husband, and you start to form a picture of Spanish Jackie. Mm. And it is incredible. <laughs> Can I be Spanish Jackie when I grow up? <laughs> I loved her suit as well, that red velvet. Oh, yeah. No, it was so cool. And I loved how she'd done her hair. She really took time. Ta- like, it felt like this was a person who took time in their appearance. And the actually... The image was all important. The image was really important. Another thread that's picked up in the bar... Let's call this thread three. Oh, I managed to get that out with, like, without... Oh, now I've twisted my tongue up. Well done! But the next narrative thread that's picked up is Izzy Hans meeting Steve Bonnet again, or as Steve calls him, Iggy. I'm very sorry to have to tell you this, Iggy. Whatever, I don't care. Now, we opened this episode with a bit more Izzy, and for the first time, we've actually seen real Blackbeard. Mm. And so now we know a bit more about their relationship, Izzy and Blackbeard, and the fact that I noticed this. He calls him Edward, which I think is quite interesting and will play into something later on. Anyway. Spoilers. Spoilers. Although, you've probably already watched the show, so you're thinking, well, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, we pick up that strand, and it's basically Blackbeard asks Izzy to get Steed to come over to a ship because he wants to meet him. Now, Izzy lies to Blackbeard and frames it as if he said, oh, my boss Blackbeard wants to meet you. And Steed was like, go suck eggs and hell and didn't really want to know him at all. However, that's not really how this went down. It went down completely differently. But I love the idea that Izzy is sort of the architect of all of the stuff that is to come because when he didn't tell steed that he was working for blackbeard that's really what set this ball in motion and you said something really interesting in our pre-discussion which was you said you felt both characters were really bored so i don't know if you want to open that up now yeah I i think they're both I mean, I think they're both bored in their exist with the existence that they've got. Steed and Blackbeard. Steed and Blackbeard. Blackbeard because he's just fed up with being a murderous pirate, and Steve because he doesn't want to be a gentleman. And I, and I think it continues the thread that ran through the last episode, which was you can change where you live, and you can change what you do. But in running away, if you don't realise it's yourself that you're running away from and changing yourself and making yourself what it is that you're running away from into what it is you want to be just changing vicinity occupation girlfriend whatever doesn't work and i think that is carried on to into this one because it's self-evident that they're both doing blackbeard is going to get involved with steed because he's bored and Steed is doing what he's doing because he's bored. Does that make any sense? No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that is a real key to their characters and why these early interactions are happening. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And let's be real. I think a lot of this, let's think about how old they are. I think they've hit that point in their lives where they are middle-aged. And I mean, for the time, they're old And maybe it's a period where you look back at your life and you think, wow, this is not the life I wanted. Mm. And I also wonder if there's a little bit of reaction to that Mm. with both of them. 
but yeah i think you hit the nail on the head right there and i think when you said about um the way izzy behaved about meeting steed and talking to him and how he related that back to to blackbeard and that he was the catalyst for all of this in effect what goes on in the future is he's he doesn't understand what is happening with blackbeard no at all no no because he's really obviously very satisfied with the life that they live Mm. and enjoys being a pirate but he is a second in command he's not in command so i guess for him there's still another ladder to climb up whereas blackbeard where is the promotion let's be real where is he gonna go from here it's just death isn't it that's Mm. the only thing death or invisibility somewhere yeah and it kind of reminds me of in white lotus the first white lotus when the tanya character says that death is the only immersive experience that she has not yet had and that kind of reminds me of blackbeard that really that's all that's waiting for that character now yeah and that this is kind of a segue to that which is so depressing it is (laughs) it's really depressing Death is the last immersive experience I haven't tried. Now, let's go back a little way because in the bar there's another character. This is Jackie's husband. Now, we both felt that his character did not work for us. No, it didn't, did it? No, I don't think it did. I think the performer is great, but I think that he was a little bit too modern and I felt that all of his jokes about balls just fell like well like cannibals for me because they were just like so lowest common denominator like every time he said balls you went to go (laughs) well it's adolescent humor adolescent humor and the thing is it wouldn't be so bad if that's all this was capable of but we've already had two really cracking episodes that were really funny without having to get into this sort of area is this a different writer from the first two You've asked me that and I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I should have come researched and I'm, I haven't. Okay. But it did feel for me that his performance did not work. I felt it was a little bit too modern. I felt that he was almost as if he was in a skit. Yeah. All of these narrative threads culminate, come together in this final section of the episode which is where Jackie's husband meets Steed, Lucius and the naval officer outside of the bar and he essentially says look I know someone who will want to have the naval officer I can be broker and the client in question is the Spanish navy and you said to me surely this is a bad idea someone will tell steve that this is a bad idea but the thing is i think we've seen this we've seen lucius we've seen the other crew try on multiple occasions to tell steve that something is a bad idea but it doesn't stop ever going no and the whole rowing over with the tapas that was so lame it was lame and it also made me hungry for tapas (laughs) little plates Little plates. I mean, now I really, really want tapas and all I've got for tea is pizza. 
Which is near not enough. tapas. It's not tapas. It's a different European country, mother. It's close. <laughs> it's not close. There's lots of land in between, like France. <laughs> so we get over to the Spanish ship. And I think what differentiates this comedy from a lot of others is that this comedy actually has teeth mm. and has a sense of if you make a mistake you may well die yeah because what happens to steed is the minute he gets on the spanish boat he gets stabbed in the stomach mm. and it's really brutal it is horrible it is horrible it's a horrible scene and it sort of picks up from where episode one left off with badminton's death which was again although you didn't see it you heard it and then you saw basically the knife was embedded in his eye this is violence that we actually are now witnessing and i thought it was really really well done also was in fitting with the sense of jeopardy that has sort of it's pervaded that whole episode yeah it has and Steed is such an idiot. He has made so many mistakes in this episode that it's literally would have been surprising if he'd gotten out unscathed. And I think the only reason, obviously, he survives this is because Blackbeard wants him. He wants to know why he doesn't. He is not intimidated by him and not interested in him. Yeah. He's fascinated and must know, so Steed must live. Mm. But without Blackbeard's interest, if he'd just fawned around like everybody else, he'd be dead and no one knows what would have happened to the crew. I mean, Jim would be dead. Olawande probably would be dead. And the others, we don't know. It's really, really interesting. And it's a scene that is very brutal. When I saw it, it was like a gut punch. And you're like, oh! Oh my God. I felt the same. And then the other thing I thought was really good about this was when you had the hanging scene and I thought it was a really innovative way of having a fight, having close quarter combat without seeing any of it. Because we see it all through Steed's eyes while he is choking to death. Yeah. And it is, you know... Shrouded in mist from the gun smoke. Yeah, and it's really, really, really great cinematography and an interesting scene. I don't think we've ever seen a fight take place like this through the perspective of someone like Steed's situation, where he's essentially choking to death and all this fighting's going on around him. It's really, really clever. Very, very clever. And it definitely... The I would say the last 10 minutes of this episode lift it up from being quite a sort of throwaway to something slightly more interesting. It got a massive reprieve. Yes, it got a massive reprieve. And I also thought it was a really interesting way of introducing Blackbeard because we have seen him. We saw Pete's version of him in episode two. We've seen... Izzy's version of him at the beginning where he was like sat in the chair and we didn't really get a shot of his face or anything like that but now this is actual Blackbeard yeah and it was a really really great way to introduce his character to the series because it was iconic it was 
intro to a an anti-hero yeah it was a classic anti-hero introduction and i loved it Me too. i thought it was really really clever now as we go to wrap up this episode because i have to say this episode has not been as deranged as last week's on our part or the episode? on our part oh, oh, <laughs> always on our part <laughs> And I think that the reason for that is both of us felt like there was a lot going on in this episode. It wasn't as funny as episode two. And it was a little bit of a letdown. It did try to be funny. But for me, it just didn't hit hit the giggle spot. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think other than the last 10 minutes, for me, this is one of those sort of episodes I'm not sure I'd go back to other than just to watch that final section again. Yeah, that was just so good. Yeah. But going back to that final fight section, I would say it was a masterclass in if you don't have a big budget, what you can do. And also that they were filming this during COVID. So that may have also had... A bearing. Yeah, exactly. And I just thought it was really, really so clever. I can't speak highly enough of that whole end section we need to give it a mark out of 10 and i've remembered this week that it's out of 10 <laughs> okay okay four i think four you were straight me. in there yep. there was no equivocation uh, no no you no. were like quick draw McGraw. four oh. i mean if it had if, if the end segment hadn't been so blooming good i would have given it two my goodness what did it do to you where did it hurt you no i agree i think for me it's a four rising to a five for the end section i would say if the whole of the episode had been as good as the intro to blackbeard and steed being stabbed it would have probably been one of the best episodes of this series if not a a truly great episode of tv yeah i agree yeah it would have been a 10 but yeah so we have mixed feelings about this one there we are. And you can probably tell more voices. We were probably give... give bit subdued. bit subdued, yeah, I would say. Now, the important question but is... I have to say, it was okay. <laughs> but it was okay. Now, the important question I have to ask you is, are you coming back to watch episode four? I am now. You are now, so it's not put you off. That's good. No. That is really good. So, as I said to you last week, please don't contact me unless we're recording, because you did attempt to phone me. (laughs) It was a butt dial. It was a (laughs) butt dial. 